fitting for saints. Amen? All right, now we've already established that all born-again believers are part of the church. Everybody say the church. The church. All right, in other words, you're not just at uh, or in a church. You are in the church if you're born again. How many of you today, you're born again already? All right, I want to make sure I see everybody's hands. Real high, real high, real high. Don't be ashamed. Amen. Romans 1.16, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? So we're, uh, we're part of the church. Or as I gave you this word last Sunday, the ecclesia. Everybody say ecclesia. ecclesia. All right? Ecclesia. Uh, it's the called out ones. The called out ones. So the church, we're part of a called out group of people. Okay? And what you'll find through scripture with that is that whenever God places his hand on someone, Whenever God uh, picks some, or whenever God puts his hand on someone and he wants to use them in, a, in a, very, a very special way, whenever God wants to make a covenant with somebody, he calls them out. Right? right? Remember Abraham in, Roman, in, uh, in uh, Genesis 12? Let's look at that real quick. Genesis 12, verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1. Glory to God. In the New King James Version, Genesis 12, verse 1. It says, now, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So God tells Abram, y'all remember Abram? Later his name is changed to Abraham, right? He's the father of faith, all right? So Abraham, we'll call him that. The Bible says that when God called, called him, he said, I want you to get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to or go to a land that I will show you. So in other words, God's going to make a covenant with Abraham. God's going to bless his socks off. But he said, to do this, I have to call you out from what you're a part of. From my family? Yes. Because your family is small thinkers. Your family got settled in Haran, this, the city that they, they were coming out of. They got settled there, but that's not where God wanted to take them. And many times, if you're not careful, if you, you, don't, if you don't have the, the uh, audacity to separate from people, you'll get stuck where everybody else is when God has something greater in mind for you. Tell your neighbor, don't get stuck. All right, matter of fact, God says here, I want you to leave, but, but watch what he says. This is what's going to happen when you leave. Look at verse 2. Give me verse 2 and 3, please. He says, I will make you a great nation. Now, this is after you leave now. Now, I can't do this if you're stuck where you, where you are and if you refuse to, to, be, to, to uh, leave because I'm calling you out so I can take you into something. You got it? So I'll make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Verse 3, let's go and add that. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Everybody say blessed. So God calls you out. I want to look at another scripture, please. Leviticus verse 20, uh, chapter 20 and verse 26. Leviticus chapter 20. And verse 26. Now, this is about Abraham's descendants, the Israelites. Everybody say Israelites. Israelites. Okay, we know them as the Hebrews, okay? So he takes these people, he says, God says, and you shall be holy to me. Yes. Matter of fact, can you read it with me? Yes. Let's read it. Ready, go. And you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Glory to God. I've separated you from the people that you should be mine. Matter of fact, do me a favor. Give me this verse in the, uh, the Amplified. How about that? Amplified. This same verse. <clears throat> and you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and I've separated you from the peoples that you should 
be mine. Give me the New Living Translation on that. You must be holy. You must be holy. Because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart. So when we see, see that separated, in fact, this word holy means set apart. So he says, God, God says, I have set you apart from all of those people to be my very own. Y'all with me so far? Now, well, you say this Old Testament. Well, this same thing continues to the New Testament, okay? I want you to get another scripture, please. 2 Corinthians and chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Hallelujah. Everybody have your, I don't hear any pages turning. Second, y'all wait on the screen, aren't you? Don't get lazy on me. Second Corinthians chapter, oh, I can't, y'all slide on your little iPads and stuff. I can't hear that. You're swiping and all that. I like to hear pages, man. I'm, a, I'm old school. You went old school on us today. I like to go old school, man, these books. Praise God. I like the old school, to tell you the truth. I prefer the old school. I'm still a Koji. Second Corinthians 6. <coughs> Verse 17. Verse 17. Are you there? Now, this is New Testament. After Jesus Christ has been here, after he's gone to the cross, after he's ascended back to the Father, so we're in the New Testament. We're in under grace, right? Yet, God's mold didn't change. Verse 17, therefore, come out from among them, come on, and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and here's, what, here's the good news, and I will receive you, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty, or the, El, the Lord El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. You remember El Shaddai? El Shaddai is the God who's more than enough. It's the God who supplies all your needs. He says, so if you, if you do this, if you come out, if, you, if you're willing to be called out, come out and be separate, I will, I will bless your socks off. That's just my way of saying it. Y'all got it? All right, now, so why this matter of separation? Why do we have to be called out ones? It's because we are God's special treasure. Everybody say, I'm God's special treasure. Oh, say it again, I'm God's special treasure. I dare you to put your hand on yourself somewhere on you know, your heart and say, I'm God's special treasure. Oh, you need to know that. You need to know that. Yeah, we're here for his flagship creation, right? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm God's special treasure. You know, I, I, I think about this all the time. I, I thank God for where he's brought me from because I don't have an inferior bone in my body. I, I literally mean that. I don't, I don't feel inferior to anybody. White people, black people, Hispanic people, uh, Asian people, Indian people, government officials, professional athletes. I don't feel inferior to anybody. I, 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 don't, I don't worry about anybody looking down to me. Really, I was thinking about this yesterday. I have to fight superiority. <laughs> and not because I feel like I've done anything. It's just that I know I'm God's special treasure. I have been called out 
I've been hand-selected by God. I got drafted. I didn't even go through the combine. I got drafted. I'm God's number one draft pick. Come on, y'all to say that. Say, I'm God's number one draft pick. Show me the money. Show me the money. Show me. <laughs> Come on, that's what it is, man. You get... Um, that, that's, that's, I know that, and it's not, it's not, the, it's not coming from me, it's coming from, from me knowing who I am in Christ. See, once you learn who you are in Christ, you, don't, you can't feel inferior to anybody. Matter of fact, you lose all timidity. You can stand in the presence of anybody and not slump. Everybody say, I'm God's special treasure. Look at uh, Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. It says, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a, say it, come on now, special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Don't, be, don't hate on me if, if I feel special. I don't care about you looking at me all funny. Who does he think he is? I don't think I'm anybody. I know who I am. Oh, I wish I had a church this morning. I know who I am because I know who God made me to be. And I'm trying to get you to understand who God made you to be. You're God's special treasure. Now watch this. Give me that same verse in the Amplified Bible, please. Amplified. Glory to God. For you are a holy, and there it is, set apart people. To the Lord your God, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people to himself out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. Now, I know I have a few theologians here in the room, and you're probably saying, well, you know, Pastor uh, Anderson, you're, you're wrong about that. That's, that was God's chosen people, the children of Israel. Yes, but we have been made Israelites or Jews in, inwardly, your Bible says. Does your Bible tell you that? We have been made Jews inwardly. We've been grafted in. We've been brought into that family. Galatians 3.29 says that if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the same promises or the same uh, declarations that God made to the children of Israel, the Israelites, they also apply to me. Come on, you got to say they also apply to me. They're mine. All God's blessings are mine. Oh, say it like you mean it. All God's blessings are mine. Said all Abraham's blessings are mine. Now let's look at this here in the New Testament for the theologians in the room. Go to first, first Peter, please. This is all the theologians, the Bible scholars in the room. First Peter, that's the New Testament. It's so close to, to the end, you gotta, you gotta go to the end and go from there. First Peter chapter 2. And let's look at verse 9. First Peter 2 and verse 9. Is this New Testament? Okay, all right. You ready? Yeah. Let's read it together. Ready, read. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own, his own. Now, this New Testament. So, in other words, now we've just gone way beyond just the, just the Israelites. We've gone into all, every born-again believer, you are part of God's chosen generation, his royal priesthood, his holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Now, is this you? 
who called you. Everybody say, I've been called out. I've been called, I've quoted this word, out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm part of the ecclesia. Glory to God. When I was in Church of God in Christ, we had ecclesiastical jurisdictions. I was in the Western Florida ecclesiastical jurisdiction of Florida, you know, Church of God in Christ. We had, we had our, our, our ecclesiastical bishops, praise the Lord. They threw that word around. But we're all part of the ecclesia. We're all part, I'm talking about born again people. We're all part of God's called out ones, who he has called out of. So if I've been called out of darkness, I'm no longer in darkness. Right? Into his marvelous light. Uh, hold that in your Bible. Don't, don't, don't lose that, that verse right there. I'm going to come back to it here, but this another one just comes to my mind. Go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Colossians chapter 1, verse, th verse uh, 12. In fact, yeah. It says here, y'all finding it? Oh, very good, class. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers Oh, Jesus. He's qualified me. I don't have to stand in some line and fill out some documents, some form that's trying to qualify for something. I don't have to qualify for assistance. I don't have to qualify for a loan. I don't have to qualify for food stamps. I don't have to qualify for AFDC. I don't have to qualify for HUD, for Section 8. I don't have to qualify for medical plan. I don't have to qualify for anything. I've been qualified already to be a partaker, to take part of the inheritance. So you and I are meant to take part right now of an inheritance. Not your job meeting your needs, but your inheritance meeting your needs. Y'all are challenging me this morning, aren't you? I said your inheritance meeting your needs. Your job is not designed to meet your needs. Your job, all right, hold that right there. Your job, according to Ephesians chapter 4, give me Ephesians chapter 4, and verse right around verse 28 or so. Ephesians 4, verse 28. Let him stole, him who stole still no longer, but rather let him labor or get a job working with his hands what is good, that or so that. Here's why you have a job. Here's Y'all not hear me. Here's why you have a job, so that you may have something to give to him who has need. So your job isn't for your house payment and for your car payment and for your food. Your job is for you to meet other people's needs. Oh, you're challenging us, Pastor. I'm just reading the word. It's just right there. It's right there in the word. Tell the truth. Your job isn't enough to, to really... Let me come on this side. Your job really isn't enough to... Only thing your job does is pay you enough to come back on Monday. And start all over again. Just work long enough to get a break. Give me two weeks out of the year. Eventually you get five weeks out of the year. Eventually just, just get the rest of your life off. If I plan well enough. Your job isn't designed for you to live abundantly. But the inheritance is. Go back to Colossians 1.12. Go back to Colossians 1.12. 
Let's, let's go come back up now. Colossians 1.12, we're going to work our way back to 1 Peter. All right? So partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. So the saints have an inheritance. My God. This is so important. Man, I didn't start my clock. Y'all better just keep. Praise the Lord. Uh, so the saints have an inheritance. Y'all got that? Everybody say, I have an inheritance. Matter of fact, let's go back and review something. I am a saint. Say it again, I am a saint. Remember, I taught you that, okay? All right? Because the Bible says we've been, we've been washed, we've been sanctified, we've been justified. So you don't have to do anything like in, in other churches. I'm not going to call the name of this uh, faith, but it's a large group of people based in Rome. Who, for them, you have to perform some great miracle that's recorded to become a saint, hopefully after you die. But that's not how the Bible works. The Bible works like this. Our God performed a great miracle in letting his son die. And when his son died and rose again, and you and I believed that and received him, we became saints instantly. Everybody say, I'm a saint. So since I'm a saint, I have an inheritance. But the inheritance is in the light. Did y'all catch that? All right, let, let's add one more, one more script to this. Give me verse 13, the same place here, verse 13. Now look at it, read it. Ready, read. He has given us the power of darkness and made us into the kingdom of the Son of the All right. So he's delivered us from the power of darkness. Oh, that's good. He's delivered us from the, so darkness has a power. I'm going to come down here. Darkness has power. Now, when you see that word darkness, it implies everything evil and negative. It's not just sin, but it's also all the effects of sin. The effects of sin are uh, sickness, lack, poverty, death. Right? But you and I have been delivered from the power of darkness. So if I've been delivered from the power of darkness, because I'm a saint in the light, I don't have to experience death. Just stick with me here. I don't have to experience that death. The Bible says in the pathway of the righteous, there is no death. Well, don't, doesn't everybody die? No. Sinners die. The Bible, your Bible says, believers, we fall asleep. I'll come over here. It says, believers, we just fall asleep. That's how come when Jesus Christ comes back, the dead in Christ are going to rise. He's just going to say, hey, wake up. That's why we used to sing in the morning. We used to sing this song. In the morning when I rise. Isn't that how it is every night you go to sleep? You sleep all night. In the morning you rise. Oh, I'm going to rise holy when I rise. Y'all don't know that. I was coaching. Okay. Okay, when I rise, I'm just going to rise. That's why even when Lazarus fell asleep, when he, when he died in their eyes, Jesus said, oh, he's sleeping. <laughs> he said, he's sleeping. And the disciples said, well, if he's sleeping, just leave him alone. He said, okay, let me explain to you mortals. <laughs> he's dead. I'm just saying that in your terms so you can understand it. He's dead. Well, he went and said, Lazarus, come forth. Now, you don't talk to dead people like that. 
Oh, y'all are missing that. I'm all over the place. I better get back on track here. You don't talk to dead people like that. But every morning when we go to our kids' rooms, hey, Jonathan, rise up. Come forth. Get up. You got to do it three or four times, but eventually he gets up. Fifth time, you come back with a belt, right? Right? So, okay, let me, I'm making this point here. So death has no power over me. Lack has no power over me. That means no Christian should ever be broke. Lack and poverty is a result of the curse. And Galatians 3.13 says we've been redeemed from the curse. Okay? So you, that, that comes from that. So it has no power over you anymore. Now, the first thing I said was sin is part of darkness, right? So sin no longer has power over me. Now, we're going to camp out there so y'all get excited. Sin no longer has power over me. That means as a believer... Y'all sitting up? As a believer, I don't have to sin anymore. As a believer, if I sin, I yielded to something. I gave up power to something that didn't have power over me. Now, if I'm, if, if I'm an unbeliever, then it has power over me. Y'all catching this? As an unbeliever, you can't stop sinning. As an unbeliever, it's just what you do. Y'all seen those commercials for Geico? <laughs> Sinners, it's what they do. Right? You just sin. You have no power over it. Y'all understand that? I'm, I'm slowing down right here because I'm seeing some faces like, uh-oh, he about to hit, come down my alley. You have no power. It's, it's just like, well, y'all hear me say this all the time, but it bears repeating. If a dog barks, you aren't surprised. If a cat meows, you aren't surprised. So if a sinner sins, why would you be surprised? It's what they do. And they can't help themselves. I don't know why they, why they don't just stop doing that. They can't help themselves. They're under the power of darkness. But when we get born again, we are delivered from the power of darkness. So now sin no longer has power in my life. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6 about, about uh, uh, no longer being under, uh, the, uh, under sin, not because we're not under the law, we're under grace now. Okay? So sin doesn't have power over me, so for me to go back and sin, I have to actually actively engage myself. I don't have a sin nature anymore. Okay? So let's go back here. Now let's, let's come all the way back up to the surface here. Go back to 1 Peter 2 verse 9. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. Glory to God. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim, you may proclaim the praises of him who did what? Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love that. So I've been called out. Everybody say, I've been called out. Give me the same verse, please, in the message uh, paraphrase, the message Bible, please. Message Bible. Oh, man. Y'all ready to read? All right, let's read it together. Ready to read. But you are the ones chosen by God. Chosen. Chosen. God's instruments 
to tell others of the night and day difference. Night and day difference. Night and day difference. So there's a, there should be a night and day difference between one of God's people and one of Satan's people. You know, there are no people who don't belong to somebody. Everybody belongs to somebody. You are either one of God's people or you are one of Satan's people. When you're born into this, on this planet, when you're born into this world, you are born as one of Satan's people. Right? Right? It was not your fault. Not your fault. And it wasn't, it's not your parents' fault. It's Adam and Eve's fault. Specifically Adam's fault. Remember Adam, the first man, right? Because of his sin, every person born on this planet was now born into sin, shaped in iniquity. So we come in under this planet as cute as we are. Man, man, Dominic, we saw your, your little daughter. Oh, my God, that little Isabel. Isabella, is that what I meant? Isabel, oh, just cute as a button. I mean, we told her, how old is she, four? Three? She ought to already have her own Instagram. I mean, this, I mean, this a beautiful child. However, <laughs> she one of Satan's little people. Unless, now I don't know, unless she's already gotten born again. It's possible, it's very possible. But if not, she one little Satan. That, that's why when they do little things, that's why the Bible says foolishness abounds in the heart of a child. Because they born Satan little people. That's why you got to pat out every once in a while. I'm tired of whipping you. Don't stop whipping them. Don't back off that. Matter of fact, your Bible says if you beat him, you'll deliver his soul from hell. Oh, why? Because they're born Satan's little people. This is Parenting 102 right here. Glory to God. They're born Satan's little people. So your Bible says whip him, you deliver his soul from hell. If you don't deliver his soul, he's going to go to, to hell where he, with, his, with his people. Isn't that right? My mom and daddy beat the hell right up out of me. Oh, they did. They, man, 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 man. Man, any of y'all, come on now, tell the truth. Man, man, man. My, my, my parents didn't know anything about time out. I don't want to time out. I wish they would have given me time out. I'd definitely prefer a time out. Praise the Lord. I mean, they whip, you, whip your butt so bad and tell you to go sit down. How am I going to sit down like this? I'm going to sit down. Stop all that crying. I'm going to give you something to cry about. I'm already crying. What do you mean? Give me something to cry about. But they knew. But they knew I was a spawn of Satan. Right? Until, until we get born again. Once we get born again, now we're God's children. We're God's people. And so there's supposed to be a marked difference, night and day difference, between my old life and my new life. Y'all got this here. Now, so in other words, there, there are things now that just don't fit us anymore. Glory to God. 
Let me pick this up here. There are things that don't fit us anymore. All right, go back to Ephesians 5. Born again people, we've been upgraded. Everybody understand that? We've been upgraded. So we, we live a different lifestyle, uh, not to become sanctified or to, be, or to become holy, but because we are special, because we are sanctified, because we are holy. Remember I told you this last week, my lifestyle doesn't produce my sanctification. Say, say my lifestyle doesn't produce my sanctification, but my sanctification produces my lifestyle. All right, so the Bible tells us, tells us that there is a lifestyle that is fitting for saints. Now, I know in 2018, this is, this is, this is uh, not a common word. You know what I mean? What I'm talking about here. Because people in the church, they don't, they don't want to talk about sanctification or holiness or lifestyle. Everybody's now just, you know, just, you know, praise the Lord. And I understand, I'm, 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 I'm teaching you this, but to make you understand that because you're not a, Second um, Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation, right? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So if I become new, I don't have that old lifestyle anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do no more. That's all we said. Places I used to go, I don't go anymore, and so on and so forth. Okay? So there's supposed to be a night and day difference. But in the church, we, we've taken uh, black and white, and we've merged them into gray. Like there's, a, there's these gray areas, but there aren't. Not according to the word of God. And, and I, I would, <laughs> that's why I'm asking for the Lord to, to help me, because I know it's a challenge to hear this kind of word in 2018 about sanctification, but it's required of us. Remember he said, be holy, for I am holy. Okay? All right, so let's go here again to Ephesians 5, because there's a lifestyle that the Bible calls fitting for saints. Fitting for saints. In other words, there's a, a way sanctified people live. How many sanctified people do I have in here? All right, not enough. We're all sanctified, right? I told you, I taught you that. Glory to God. All right? So, again, my lifestyle won't make me sanctified, but it'll reflect my sanctification. Now, let's look at this again. Romans, I'm sorry, Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. So, already we know we can do something extraordinary here. We can imitate God. That's good right there. He says, here it is, verse 2. And walk in love as, dear, as Christ also loved the church. Christ also loved us. That's the church. And, and given himself... For us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So I dealt with that last Sunday, right? If again, if you weren't here last Sunday, go go on our website, go on our YouTube, whatever, Facebook, everything. You can listen to it, watch it for free. Okay. So the first way, the first life part of our lifestyle that's fitting for the saints is to walk in love. We gotta walk in love. I showed you that, and love never doesn't take; it gives. It sacrifices. I gave y'all a marriage minute last Sunday about that. Love sacrifices. Love gives. Love will make you, uh, Oscar, do some things, you know, one o'clock in the morning, things you don't, you're like, what am I doing? You know, praise the Lord. Yeah. Remember I told you about how sometimes you got to sacrifice for your wife? Remember husbands, I said you got to sacrifice for your wife? Sometimes you don't want to do something. It's the wrong hour. 
You know, he can't testify about how he had to do something, you know, wee, wee hours in the morning. You know, my wife got me the same way. I, she, always, she got me this week about that. It's, it's 5 o'clock on Wednesday morning. I'm at 5 a.m. And when she want to go flip the matches around. So I'm like, praise the Lord. It's 5 a.m. Praise the Lord. At 5 a.m. too. But I love my woman. <laughs> so I sacrifice for her. Amen. All right. All right, now let's keep going here before y'all get off somewhere else. Okay, give me verse 3. I'm going to start at verse 3 now, but I want to go to Amplified Bible. And for sake of time, I'm not going to go down and define all these things for you. I'm not going to preach all these things for you. I'm, I'm gonna, we're going we're to let the Bible speak. That's fair? That way you don't have to shoot me any units. Don't kill the carrier. I'm just carrying a message. Okay? If you want to shoot a unit, shoot a unit at your Bible, shoot it at your iPad or at God or whatever. God, I don't like that verse. You just tell God, I don't like that verse. Okay? But don't, don't, don't get on me. But I have a little news for you. He's not going to change it because you don't like it. Just tell you that ahead of time. Okay? So verse 3. Y'all right, ready? So verse 3 <laughs> says, but immorality, that's sexual, sexual vice. I already told you what that is, right? Okay, I'm not going to preach it. Okay, that's fornication. That means sex with anybody outside of your biblically defined marriage. Biblically, you got to say that today. Biblically defined marriage. Okay? All right. And all impurity of lustful, rich, wasteful living or greediness. Are these words simple enough? You understand what it means to be greedy, right? Must not even be named among you as is fitting and proper among saints. God's consecrated or his called out or his chosen people. Remember we're talking about night and day difference. Okay? Now, so in other words, what he's saying here uh, is that, is, in fact, give, give me, let's add verse 4. Let's go, and then I'll talk. Let there be no filthiness, obscenity, indecency, nor foolish and sinful, silly and corrupt talk. So we've gone from, in verse 3, your actions to now your words. Nor coarse jesting, telling all kind of filthy, smutty jokes. <laughs> you know, talking about you know, uh, we'll call it the word of the day, uh, locker room talk. Can't talk locker room talk. <laughs> okay? Which are not fitting or becoming. Did you catch that? So, notice again he says, which are not fitting or becoming. So, in other words, now I recognize that my lifestyle and how I talk isn't a matter now of uh, hell or not. It's a matter of it just don't fit me anymore. You understand? All right. In other words, let's say, let's, let's pretend that uh, you were uh, 700 pounds. Right? You were on my 600-pound life. Okay? And... You got really determined, and, you know, when you're that size, there are things you have to buy to fit, right? 
Okay, but once you lose the weight, you go through bariatric surgery or and you begin to curtail your appetite and exercise, you lose the weight and you come down, now you're a, a spilt, you know, 180 pounds now. Right? Would you still wear those gigantic things you were wearing then as you would when you were 180? No? You sure? Okay, let's go the other way around. Let's say if you were 180, then you got married. You know how did you get married? <laughs> tell the truth, guys. Tell the truth. Everybody except TJ, I think. Everybody else, you get married. And you st he's too hyper, man. He's, his, his metabolism just too high. All the rest of us, boy, we just... <laughs> Everything enlarged and expanded and increased. Suddenly, praise the Lord. I tell my wife all the time, I'm, I'm looking, I'm trying to find a guy in that picture. Man, when I got married, man, I was, man, I'm trying to find him. He's in there somewhere. I'm going to find him one day. So let's say you went from 180, now you're 400. Would you still wear the same? Huh? Come on, y'all sure? Now, some people, are you sure? Why would you not wear those things? Because they don't fit. They don't fit my current status. They don't fit my current level. They don't fit my current place. Now let's go back to the first scenario. I'm, I was 700, now I dropped, dropped down to 180. Now, what, I, what did I do? I laid aside the weight. But I gotta also lay aside the sin which so easily besets me. Right? So those things, they just don't fit anymore. So now we're talking about now, praise God. So now I'm walking with God. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you for taking an old wretch like I was and now saving me, washing me, cleansing me, uh, sanctifying me, justifying me. Now, now I'm made brand new. Now, Lord, I need a new lifestyle because that old lifestyle doesn't fit me anymore. As a matter of fact, some of you can, can, can attest to this. When some of you when, you, when you first got born again, even before you got filled with the Holy Ghost, even before you really began to really learn the Word and got soaked in the Word, you, you might have gone back to a club. You might have gone back to a club. Or you might have gone to the little, you know, whatever. And you're there and you're trying to have a good time. But you're like... This feels funny. Tell the truth now. You can tell the truth now. This, this it feels, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Why doesn't it feel right? Because you've changed on the inside. So now that old lifestyle doesn't feel right anymore. Why doesn't it feel right? Because it's not fitting. Is this simple and plain enough for everybody to understand? So in other words, God is not trying to beat you down to make you some uh, boring person who never has fun and you can't enjoy life. No, he's trying to get you in, in, in an outfit that fits. Now, I've watched some of you ladies. When I mean you, I'm not talking about you in particular in this church. I'm talking about ladies in general in the world. 
who, you know, they, they are so intent on being cute. Am I right about it? I'm going to just talk to you. They're int so intent on being cute. So they'll put on some five-inch heels because the shoes are cute. They're cute. And, and boy, they, I mean, they are, they are in pain. They, oh. Some little tight A-line thing, they just, and they trying to sit, they got to sit down gingerly and, because the, really, the reality of it is, it really just doesn't fit you. You squeezed into it. That, you're exactly right, honey. You're exactly, she gonna talk about the men with the skinny jeans. You're exactly right. That's why I don't think any man should put on skinny jeans. I don't think any man should have to, should have to point his toe to get his, get his feet through no jeans. That's crazy. If you're at a point you're told you're already in trouble. You're already in trouble, bro. Sitting out all crazy. It just doesn't fit. Help me out, guys. Right? You're, 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 going, you're, going, you're going to go down to the park. We're going to go down to Bartley. Y'all know Bartley Park? Bartlett for some of you. But us is Bali Paul. And you, we're gonna play some 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 full court. I'm not gonna go in a in a suit and tie and some and some hard bottoms. Why? Because it's not fitting for playing basketball. It's inappropriate. And you look at me funny if I showed up, all right, I'm I'm down. Like I'm, you know, I'm Uncle Drew or something. You know, like what's wrong with this? Man, hey, because it's not fitting for me to play basketball in it. Am I right about it? Am I right about it? So sin no longer fits the saint. So if I try to, if I try to stay in it, I'm trying to force, like, man, yesterday, oh, my God, we were at the park. And, man, God bless this lady. I saw this lady. And she had on, catch this. She went way back. She had on some daisy boots. Oh my gosh. And she didn't look nothing like Daisy Duke. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> nothing like Daisy Duke. She looked like Boss Hogg. But with Daisy Duke, I'm like, Lord, who? In my, this is in my mind. Who done told you wrong? Girl, somebody done. <laughs> Am I right now? I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm like, this is wrong on many levels. What am I saying? It didn't fit. Okay, is this plain enough, everybody, now? Okay, so it doesn't fit. Man, I got to hurry up. So, so he says, uh, again, verse, come, give me verse 3 again, verse 3. Verse 3. In fact, now you understand that we can go back to the, just the regular New King James' fewer words. New King James. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as it's fitting for saints. So there's a lifestyle that is fitting for saints. Glory to God. I mean, we used to, 
that we used to kind of argue with all the old folks in, in the church back when I was growing up because they wanted to make you, you know, you had to wear a dress certain this way and wear your hair certain this, not all that kind of stuff like that. And we try to throw it out and be free now. We're free. We're free. We're free. But we forgot there's still a lifestyle that fits the saints. Oh, I'm still a holiness preacher. There's still a lifestyle that fits the saints. Glory to God. Can I tell you something? Just like that, that lady who had on the, the Daisy Dukes with a boss hog body. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a sight. But she probably has a good heart. And a wonderful personality. But I couldn't get past this exterior to see the beauty of her heart. Oh, no, I couldn't see that. You got it? By the same token, when the world is looking at us Christians, they don't even get a chance to hear our tongues and interpretation. They won't even give us the opportunity if they're watching our lifestyles and our lifestyles point to something different than this book. Because what they do now is they call all of us hypocrites. Have you heard the word? They call, and the truth is we're not all hypocrites. We're not all pretenders. We're not all stage actors. We're not, we're not all that. But when they see that, they assume. Christians, they're all the same. They're saying one thing, but during the week, I know what they're doing. And see, here's the thing. The thing, thing about, about people in the world, even <laughs> they, set, they set a standard for us higher than the church has now. The church has lowered the standard. But in the world, they never, they never, they never, they never let down the standard for us. Now, they can live any kind of way they want to. But when they say, you are, you're in the church, you're a Christian, they expect you to live way up here. So when they discover you're not really living way up here, you're living way down there, oh, you're just one of those hypocrites. Why would I want to be saved? Why would I go to church? I don't need to go to church. I'm going to live just like you live. Why do I need to go to church? Got it? Praise the Lord. This is good news, isn't it? Hallelujah. So there's a lifestyle that's fitting. He says it's fitting for saints. Give me verse 4, please. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting. Which are not fitting. All right, so they don't fit. <clears throat> now, now, let me, let me I, I won't finish this. I'll finish this next uh, time, whatever that is, all right? But let me, let, me, let me show you this here. Let's go to 2 Peter 2, please. 2 Peter chapter 2. Because remember now, we have a new nature. There's a lifestyle now that, that fits us. <laughs> Glory to God. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all do like me, but how, how many of y'all ever tried to lose weight? I've lost hundreds of pounds. 
Anybody else who lost hundreds of pounds? I've lost hundreds. Lost them, found them, lost them, found them. But it's, tied them all up, it's hundreds. Right? But when, I'm, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I want to really challenge myself, when I, wanna, when I want to uh, really just say, man, you need to take care of this thing. Uh, I just did it. A bunch of the clothes that I had that were marginal, like they too big or like just too big, I gave them away. The ones that fit like a little tight, that's what I kept. Because the ones, I put them on, I go, ooh, boy, you need to lose weight. Okay, y'all missed that. See, if you keep putting on clothes that's too big, then you feel, But if I put on clothes that they just fit, and you know you eat, you eat one of them big burgers, you need to stop this, right? What, what the devil wants to do for the, to the church is make us have on some big, ill-fitting clothes that are too big that never make us feel uncomfortable. So we're like, I can do this, I can do that, I can, I can whatever, whatever. But God wants proper-fitting clothes on the body of Christ. It's the very same thing. I'm just going I have a lot of a uh, room full of educators that they've done in the school system. When I was in, in school, all the way through the time I graduated, if you wanted an A, you had to get a 94. If you wanted a B, you had to get an 86. And so on. But now what they've done is they brought the A down to a 90. Oh, look, all these kids, they're making A's. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's a B. Oh, so-and-so made a B. No, that B in my day would have been a D. See, but if you lower the standards. All right, I'll finish. I'll finish. Y'all looking at me mad right now, but I'm finished. Okay. This, so this is all I'm trying to say. So for me now, I have a new nature, a new life that fits. So for me to, to, to go back into the world or do anything as the world does it, I have to now defile myself. I have to now take what God has cleansed, what God has sanctified, what God has washed, and now I have to intentionally or actively defile myself with it. All right, 2 Peter 2. Give me 2 Peter 2, verse 20 through 22. It says, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and, and Savior Jesus Christ. So you and I have escaped the pollution of the world. Pollution is filth, right? Pollution is filth, right? So we've escaped from that. If after that they are again entangled in them or in the pollutions and overcome, notice what it says. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. So if I go back out and defile myself again with the world's mess, I end up worse than I was when I came to Christ. Is this Bible? Is this Bible? Okay, verse 21. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. So in other words, God said, it's it would have been better for you to just have never gotten saved, just never stop walking with God, 
than to walk with God and keep fooling around with the world. Jesus told a story one time about a man uh, who, who had demons cast out of him. Remember the story? Okay, I'll tell it to you. Man had demons cast, because y'all know y'all was like, no, I don't remember that. So man had demons cast out of him. And the Bible says this is the story he gave his, this is how it happens. When the demons are cast out, and then what happens? Uh, the demons go away. The, the demon go away, goes away. And then he, he goes searching, trying to find another place to land. And he looks around, I can't find anywhere to go. He remembers, wait a minute, I came from a place that's now all cleaned and swept, but hadn't been filled with anything else. He says, I'm going to go back to where I came from. And the Bible says he goes back to that same man, re-enters that same man who never got filled with anything, and but this time he brings seven of his buddies who are worse than him. So in other words, that man who was delivered from a lying spirit, but never got filled up with the Holy Ghost and power and anointing. Now when those demons come back, it's a lying spirit, a cheating spirit, a whole-mongering spirit, a gambling spirit, it's everything. Just <laughs> thank you, thank you for the, that's thank you, the tambourine, that's perfect. That was right on point. Because they weren't saying nothing. But that's the truth, Jesus said it. So, so when, when you get delivered, you gotta be filled up with the Holy Ghost. Fill up with something, praise God. Because it is the Holy Ghost who gives us the power to not defile ourselves. So to just want to live, Lord, I'm going to live right. You can't live right without the Holy Ghost power. You and I tell the truth. We don't have enough willpower to live past anything. We don't have enough willpower to go seven days without a cupcake. That's the truth. Can't go 20 days without a biscuit. Come on now. And we're going to abstain from fornication. Right. <laughs> tell your neighbor, you can't do it by yourself. Come on, tell him you can't do it by yourself. You need some help. And he's the Holy Ghost, our helper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, let's finish this here. All right, verse 22. 22. This, this, this still contains the same passage here. But it has happened to them. According to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow, that's a pig for y'all city folk, having washed to her wallowing in the mire. So in other words, a pig, you can wash him all, clean him up, put a bow on him. He's going to go right back to the same mud because that's what he's used to. And he says for a believer to go back and into, into any kind of simple lifestyle is the exact same thing as a pig does. All right, one more place and we're done for today. One more place. The book of Daniel. Tell your neighbor, don't defile yourself. Tell them again, don't defile yourself. Stay out the mud. And stay away from your vomit. Ugh, yes, yes. That's what he said. That's what he said. To go back and live in a, in a lifestyle that doesn't fit you now is like going back to your vomit. I can't. I can't stand vomit. I get nauseous if I see somebody else vomit. Some of y'all get nauseous just talking about it. So I'm not going to talk about it anymore. All right, Daniel chapter 1. Last place, Daniel chapter 1. 
Have y'all learned anything today so far? Yes. Don't fool me. Have y'all learned anything today so far? Okay. All right, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. Here's a story here about Daniel and three of his friends. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Deacon Robert. Your buddies here. <clears throat> Who they are in Babylonian captivity, but God is going to elevate them. They're in the midst of a foreign land. They're in a place that um, is not fitting for them, but they're determined to serve their God. In other words, they're li- they, it'd be like them living in, in America, in the world in 2018, in a world that is hostile towards the things of God, but we're determined to serve God. You got it? Okay, Daniel chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 8. Because they're going to they're gonna try to make these guys eat and drink and live how they live. Look at verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I'm asking you, please don't make me defile myself. Don't make me eat that. Don't make me drink that. Don't make me live like y'all live. I don't want to defile myself. I'm in covenant with Almighty God. Now they're thinking this, when you defile yourself, it's going to help you. If you, if you read the story at home, that the, the people are, are saying, no, if you eat this, <coughs> drink this, if you do what we do, it's going to help you improve. You're going to become greater by doing what we do. And this is what the world tries to put on us. That if you want to move, if you want to come up in the world, you got to live how we live. If you want to come up on your job, you got, you got to go to happy hour with all of us. God can raise you up without happy hour. You gotta, no, you don't have to do what, what they do. Watch. How do I know? Let's keep reading the story. Verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, listen, Daniel, I fear my, my lord, the king. His king is, is Nebuchadnezzar. He said, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? So people in your age group, you know, they're going to come up. Why should they see you looking worse? And, you know, because what he's saying is my head is at stake. He says, then you would endanger my head before the king. Verse 11. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay. Verse 12, please test your servants for 10 days. Just give us some time to do this God's way. And let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearances be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. So let us be tested. We're going to live God's way. Let them live you all's way. And then 10 days from now, let's test it. See, this is the same thing I have to tell people today in this world who think, who think now y'all just all about all that walking with God and all that kind of stuff. All right, tell you what, you keep living your way. I keep living my way. Let's set an appointment for five years. Let's meet up in five years and see how you look. Come on now, some, some, of, y'all, some of y'all have seen. You've seen your old, your old high school classmates. You've seen some of the folk you, you hung out with in your early, you know, college days and everything, and you see how they, they look 20 years older than you look. Girl, what's wrong with you? Man, you look all broke down. They can't help it. They've been eating the king's meat. But you have separated yourself unto God, and God beautifies the meek with salvation. 
He said, verse 13, can I read it again? Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. Verse 14, so he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. Oh, look at this. And at the end of 10 days, of five years, of 10 years, their features, their features of those who serve God appear better, fatter, in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Because you don't have nowhere to go. Verse 16. Thus the steward, thus the steward took away. No, I just got a couple more verses. Watch this. The steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Now watch verse 17. Verse 17. For those who committed themselves to walking with God. Watch what happened. As for these four young men, Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, God gave them. Because they committed to walk with God. God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. God will raise you up if you commit to living for him, if you commit to serving him, if you commit to being separate from the world, God will give you things that the world cannot receive. Oh, my God. 18, now the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them. The king interviewed them. You're going to get an interview. When you walk with God, God will put you before great men. Then the king, in, oh my God, the king interviewed. I like that. Somebody, you're going to have a big interview ahead of you. God's going to set you up and give you favor in a high place with somebody that you thought you could never get in. But because you committed yourself to walk with God and be separate and be called out and walk the way God wanted you to walk, he's going to give you an interview. An interview means an audience with somebody big. Watch this, verse 19. And among all them was not, was, was not found, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served. Therefore they served. Therefore they got promoted. They served before the king. <laughs> they got to work in the palace. Verse 20. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them. Ten times better than all the magicians, all the astrologers, all the prognosticators, all the ones on TV thinking that they can forecast the economy, all the surgeons and doctors, all the educated people, all who were in, in all his realm. God raised them up. Why? Because they made a commitment to not defile themselves. If you make that commitment to not defile yourself, to only live in a way that is fitting for saints. Yes. Yes. I understand the, 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 the culture tries to dictate. We just kind of go along with what they say and what they do. But no, 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 no. God, I love you. You saved me. In fact, you paid an awesome price for me. The price of your, the blood of your own son you paid for me. And so I don't want to keep wearing things that don't fit. 
I want to wear what fits. I want to live a way that, in a way that fits me as a saint. And listen, it may not be popular. You may not get invited to all the cool parties. But God will bless you so much you can throw your own parties. Oh, yes, he will. You can throw your own parties. You can have a good time. You can party every day. Really, in the kingdom of God, you can party every day. That, that's what that man told his son in Luke 15. Man, my son, you, you always, you're always with me. You can throw a party every day if you want to. That's, he, was, he was showing you how God is to us. I want you to have a party every single day. That's why even this coming Sunday, this coming week, we're going to celebrate Passover. Passover is just a big party. God commanded, no, I want you to have a party three times a year, at least three times. Have a big, major party. God wants us to all have big parties. So God's not trying to make your life boring and dull and unattractive. He's, no, he's trying to give you the best life you can beyond your dreams, but in a way that you don't have to wake up in the morning trying to figure out, well, who was I with? <laughs> Stand to your feet. I'll, I'll leave you alone. Come on, stand to your feet. If you receive that, will you give God a big praise this morning? I wish you'd do better than that. I said give God, a, not for me, give God a praise. If you receive that this morning. Oh, praise God. Now listen, I'm going to pray here. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for the word that we've received. I thank you for uh, how you helped me to minister this word today leaned upon your anointing and you came through. I thank you for that. I thank you for each person who's heard the word. I pray that, Lord, every heart was softened so that they could hear and receive the word. The same way you ministered the word to me, Lord, I had to receive it first. So I pray that your people have received the word even as you sent it. You said if we receive the word with meekness, it is able to save our souls. You said if we receive the word, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, your word you say it'll work effectively in those who believe. So this word today will have a great effect on us as we believe it, as we receive it. And God, I know that there are people in this room, myself included, who have been challenged by this word. Maybe it's our actions. Maybe it's our foolish talking. Maybe it's coarse jesting. We like to tell whatever, whatever things we like to do. Maybe it's those of us who have uh, consistently defiled ourselves with the world's things. And God, we ask you to forgive us for that. I, I believe, Lord, it's really just because we didn't realize that we were your special treasure. Because we didn't realize that you had already washed us and cleansed us, that you had already sanctified us. That we didn't realize, Father, how important it is to you and for us to live a lifestyle that is fitting for the saints. I pray you help us to realize today that our lives are epistles. Our lives are letters. And that, God, people in the world who may not pick up a Bible and read the Bible, they're reading our lives. You said in your word, you said, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal, that the Lord knows those that are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So, Father, we name the name of Christ. We are called by that name of Jesus Christ. And so we respond today by departing from all iniquity. God, I ask you now, 
Finally, if you will look in each every one of our lives, search us, try us, see if there be any wicked thing in us, God. Anything that's not right, don't, don't just take it away, God. Make it clear to us what it is. Show us what it is. We invite the conviction of the Holy Ghost. We don't go to this modern theology to God that there's no more conviction. Go, no, no, God, we thank you for the conviction of the Holy Ghost. That brings us the conviction to, to, to realization that we have erred. We've stepped outside of your perfect plan. So I pray, Father, that as we uh, step back into your plan, that you'll, you'll make us stronger and stronger. And I ask you today, the people who are not filled with the Holy Ghost will get filled with the Holy Ghost and that with power and fire so that God will have the power that it takes to live a life for you in this present world. We pray and we give you thanks for these things. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. amen. All right, now, if you're in this place today, you're not born again.